1: and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. News and Market Commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220 KDOW.
3: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Happy January 22 to you 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, first and foremost, there's pretty good stories out there. It's earnings season, so I don't think we'll be short of content to think about. Keep in mind, earnings season happens four times a year, and it's kind of a report card time. And uh, companies come public and tell us how they're doing. Publicly traded companies legally have to disclose results on a regular basis every 90 days quarterly. In between the quarterly reports, they've got what are called S-reports. These are filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC.gov, where you can learn how a company's doing, if there's any material information in between those 90-day quarterly reports. On top of that, you get what's called an annual report at the end of the year. Some companies have end of the years that run from, you know, uh, second quarter to first quarter. Some of them start in January and go through December. They're all different. So it's tough to say this is fourth quarter results or third quarter results at times because different companies are in different parts of their earnings cycle. Um, With that said, earnings season is kind of a great time because it's, that report card of how did you do and how did you tell us you are going to do and how did you do and what do you think you're going to do? A lot looms on what do you think you're going to do. The SP 500 this morning is up fractions. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 20. The NASDAQ up 6. It's sitting at 42.32. Crude oil sits at $95, almost $96 a barrel. Gold sits at 1240 an ounce. Nothing really going on there. Ten-year treasury sits at 2.5% under the three market, under the three percent kind of ceiling or floor, depending on how you look at it, uh, what side of it we're on. So uh, those are some of the stories that are out there and driving us. Um, IBM, certainly in the news, the big dodging's industrial average component. Um, IBM to me, is in the wrong place. First and foremost, a lot of their business is China. You keep hearing China, 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 right? So one of the problems with that is Snowden. When an American spy leaves the country and reveals that Americans are spying on every other country in the world through hardware, through you know hacks inside of software, inside of hardware, it got the international community freaked out. No way. So IBM is not selling well into China. IBM's revenue declined for a seventh straight quarter amid plunging demand for servers, the world's biggest computer services provider said yesterday. After the market closed, the company's hardware unit had a $750 million profit drop, partly because of its server business. So IBM is in talks potentially sell their server unit to uh, maybe Lenovo Group. VMware is out there today, again, playing into that trend that we keep talking about, security. So cloud software maker VMware said that they would buy privately held mobile security company, AirWatch, and deal valued at about $1.5 billion. That sent the shares up. Mobile security products are in high demand because of cyber attacks on mobile devices have grown exponentially in recent years. Tied towards sales phones and uh, smartphones and tablets. So pretty interesting stuff out there today. So trend, security, mobile, uh, cloud. I would say it's fair to say that VMware is in a better position than IBM right now because they don't have that hardware. They've got the cloud, the mobile angle. Now, again, IBM, don't cry for them. They pull in $8 billion in cash flow. Coach, the world's largest luxury handbag maker, they reported profit that trailed expectations. They seem to be losing market share pretty aggressively to Michael Kors Holdings. Uh, Coach seems to run a lot of promotions that they used to run at uh, places like Macy's, and they found that you know uh, it's a warning in November that their s- customers weren't really there. It basically put the you know nail in the coffin for the fourth quarter. It was not a good quarter. So, when your customers aren't there in November and Christmas, ho, 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 is that time of the season that we all find so pleasing. Okay, do you hate them, do you love them? Do you hate them, do you love them? Not me, not me. Uh, The New York Yankees. They're going to pay $175 million for Japanese pitcher Mashiro, it's Now I know you're saying, "Uh, big deal. It's a pretty big deal, a seven-year deal. If you hate the Yankees, you hope he comes and blows out his elbow in the first pitch. He pitched for the Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles. The Yankees are paying $20 million just to get the guy. And then they're paying him $155 million over seven years. Listen to this. He was 24-0 last year with a 1.27 ERA. 183 strikeouts and 212 innings. Just 32 walks. He's sick and nasty. Imagine. $155 million because he could throw a baseball. Okay. Suddenly I'm mad at my parents. And the advice to you, moms out there, you got a healthy little three-year-old, four-year-old boy, tie his right arm behind his back, make him learn how to throw left. Don't let him eat right. His hand stays behind his back until he goes to bed, or until he can throw a 95-mile-per-hour split-finger fastball. <coughs> and then, and then, and only then, do you tell him that you love him. So T-Mobile's doing something very, 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 very interesting. You know, again, back to the Target hack. T-Mobile's going to give you a free checking account, complete with 42,000 no-fee ATMs. So T-Mobile, they want to be your wireless carrier. They'll pay you like $500, $600 to switch to them. But on top of that, now they're going to offer you a free check-in account service. A lot of what you're going to be doing with your check-in in the future is going to be tied towards your phone. You can deposit cash right now with your account by taking a photo of a document. To get cash, you can make withdrawals, no fees from a network of 42,000 ATMs. An app on the phone will tell you where they are. There's a network of international ATMs that you can use for free. You can walk into T-Mobile and open your checking account with basically a small cash deposit. You can pay all your bills electronically using the app or T-Mobile's website. You can also have T-Mobile cut kind a of check and send it to someone if it's, that's your only option. You can transfer money to other mobile money customers using the app if you have the person's T-Mobile phone number and at least the last four digits of their debit card or Social Security. So our phones are quickly becoming banks. I kind of like it. I'm not crazy, but I kind of like it. Hopefully you kind of like it too. So, we are in earnings season. Yesterday was very much so a bland kind of day. Up, down, up, down, kind of sideways when it was all said and done. General Dynamics beat by a penny. Norfolk Southern beat by 13 pennies. Parker Hennepin missed by a penny. Texas Instruments, Abbott Labs, and Textron all were in line. Not a lot of cheerleading going into the first quarter of 2014. But there's not a lot of foreboding as well. This is a very mixed market. It's got conservative pessimism or cautious optimism, depending on how you want to look at it. You can find me online at robblack.com. Robblack.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Facebook, Cron for Rob Black. That's K-R-O-N for Rob Black. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black.
2: The a open and Take a minute. minute.
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
3: KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I pride myself on that. I kind of look at myself, hopefully, as your big brother or uh, maybe your smart nephew. Someone that you find approachable on money. Um, Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Especially what has to do with money. There's some really interesting commentary out there on wealth on who's wealthy and who's not and how much the world's wealth should be redistributed and such. I'm not necessarily the smartest guy on that. But when it comes to constructing a portfolio, when it comes to understanding the markets, when it comes to being patient, I can help you create some wealth. Hopefully you don't try to hit a home run. Today Netflix is going to report earnings. I think Netflix is in a trend of we want content streamed. We don't necessarily want it broadcast. And we kind of started learning that 10, 15 years ago with TiVo. Do you remember the first time you used a TiVo? And you're like, aha, now I get it. And that box would go bloop, 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 bloop. No, it didn't want to go bloop, bloop, bloop. That was Jack Bauer's phone on 24. Um, but you go bloop, 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 bloop. bloop. And you'd fast forward through the commercials, and now they got the HAPA, the HAPA from Dish, where you could skip commercials altogether. And you could basically, when you first saw a DVR, and you're like, I can tape Survivor, it's only 4 in the afternoon, and look how fast I just set that up. And I can watch that anytime I want. Like in 4 weeks, and 6, like you were in heaven when you kind of got that feel for it. That was our first taste of streaming, kind of. Where we got to make the decision what we watch when we want it. I mean, again, yeah, you could say, Rob, I've got a VCR that I've been using for 40 years. (laughs) I smoked menthol. Well, thanks for telling me that. But, yeah, the VCR wasn't quite the same. A little too tough to set up. And then they started coming out with smart VCRs, but. Anyway, I saw some VCR footage of myself because I'm kind of a big deal and I've been on television for many, many years. So, no, I don't have 8mm tape, Uh, 8-track of myself in media, but close. Interesting article on Facebook today. And I don't know if you believe this or not, and if anyone wants a copy of this, drop me an email, rob at com. It's just an article. It's easy to find. But Facebook generation may be about to come to an end if Princeton University researchers are correct. A new study predicts a rapid decline in Facebook activity in the next few years. Now, one thing that I've already started to see is Facebook is editing, and they're they're throttling back what information you see, because you can't possibly see it all. Now, the study conducted by two researchers in Princeton's Department of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering applies the same model used in the study of of disease to extrapolate future adoption and abandonment of social networks. Basically, the researchers used MySpace as a case study for social network who spread rapidly like a disease and then quickly died out when the number of new users declined. And that's what's happening with Facebook. Twenty-five percent of teenagers have abandoned Facebook. Now again, what does that mean? Are they checking out once a month? Definitely not daily. The high valuations placed on social networking companies such as Facebook and Twitter um, bring up the financial question of should we be putting this high of a value? Keep in mind AOL once was a $100 stock, it eventually merged with Time Warner and they basically get written off. Enthusiasm for Facebook, the report says, it will wane, but usage will not compared the future of Facebook to that of Windows and Outlook as examples of everyday use products that may ha- uh, not have the cachet of whatever the latest social networking darling is, but it's still part of our ha- habits. And we know that you know Outlook and Windows and Office is still a pretty big cash cow for um, Microsoft. But there, it's a fascinating article. Um, it's it's Titled "The Epidemiological Modeling of Online Social Networking Dynamics,"
4: uh,
3: done by you know some Princeton, Princeton researchers. If you read it, you know it, it's a seven-page college read. I mean, it, it's it's not something to sniff at and go. It's light. I wish it were. So yesterday I was reading about how the next two years looks very bubbly for. Online social gaming. So if you work at an online social gaming company, you've got about two years to hit your payday. Otherwise, things are going to start to implode. Facebook to lose 80% of its users by 2017. Wow. That's something that you don't want to wake up to. Under Armour signs a deal with the Fighting Irish. Now, here's a classic example of what do you need in your portfolio. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to the 19, late '80s and put you at a John Hughes film, and you're a, uh, a struggling artist. You so desperately, desperately, you know want to get ahead in life, and there's the beautiful girl that you're in love with, and her dad doesn't really like you. And uh, there's that conflict between you and her, and you play Peter Gabriel's uh, in your eyes for her, and you're, you're trying to get her to fall in love with you. and Eh, she doesn't really go for you she goes for the football player well second happens to be her sister who thinks that her bigger sister was an idiot so the little sister ends up falling in love with you and you all end up happily ever after right that's your John Hughes movie and that's the third sister she's fat, ugly, missing teeth good thing you didn't end up with her that's Nike is the older sister Under Armour is the younger sister who's pretty And Adidas is just the ugly with warts and missing teeth. So you're John Cusack. You're pulling up the radio, and you end up saying, You know what? I don't need Nike. You're too great. Go be with a uh, uh, a football player. And you look at the ugly one and go, You're kind of a horsey. So you end up going for the middle daughter. You know what the song's about? It's not about love. It's about the eyes of Christ. I see a thousand churches. Resolutions. Fruitless searches. I want to be complete in your eyes. I know you're saying. I want to
2: be that complete.
3: I feel the light, the heat. So anyway, um, not a love song. So if you played this at your wedding, unless you married Jesus. Uh-oh. So anyway, um, Under Armour signed a deal with uh, Notre Dame. And what's interesting about this deal is I think their seventeenth university that they've signed a deal with.
2: Um,
3: twenty-six. Twenty six. So Adidas is out there and they're big and Nike's out there and I love Nike. But Under Armour's slowly but surely they're they're surviving. Let's take a break.
1: AM twelve twenty Hit me run, left dead, and now you're, gone. you're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and IR Radio Station.
3: Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Uh, January is kind of getting to be kind of a month of blah. Not a lot going on as far as great stories. I will say this, though. You know what's starting to look awesome? Apple's potential iPhone watch um, or the iWatch. They're hiring people now with expertise in developing medical sensors. Blood monitoring. Apple poached Nancy Doherty was at a stealth startup called Sano Intelligence. Their product hadn't hit the market. It was working on a patch that would constantly monitor your blood. Uh, the needless sensor-laden transdermal patch is painless. Prototypes have been out there. So she was responsible for the electrical design testing and bring up, as well as system integration, managing contractors for layout. Um, they've hired some people from... Um, Burberry, they've hired, like, they seem to be hiring, Yves Saint Laurent, they seem to be hiring people that would make a watch that you would want as far as a high end product goes. So, we'll see. If you can get a watch that does blood monitoring in a nation that's fat, obese, diabetic, uh, that would be pretty impressive, in my opinion. I know you're saying, please never do that again. Pretty impressive. Uh, we have the Dow, the Joe Industrial Average. Like I said, kind of meh. Down thirty. The Nasdaq up seven. The SP 500 up fractions. Joining me now, Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's a mortgage lender. He's my mortgage lender. I've done a couple of refis with him. I've done a couple of new purchases with him. So I know that it's a process, and it's good to have someone that you trust someone that I trust. Therefore, you can trust. Hi, Rob. Tony Mendez, you're here to talk today. Home improvement. Um, I bought a house that needed some work. Um, I fortunately had cash to fund it. Um, I don't think the work was worth it, but some people like to improve their homes. I myself would go with a gold toilet because sitting on a gold toilet is all that and more. But new kitchen to me, eh. person that buys my house is going to say, I don't like that tile,
5: yeah. so I'm, I'm
3: cautious about my and, own improvements.
5: And, but you might be wrong that there is a percentage, uh, 92% as a matter of fact, saying that um, kitchens are get the best return on your investment. Kitchen remodels. See, I disagree with right that. Right up there with siting. Siding is a, a little bit higher, 92.8%. Yeah. But small kitchen remodels, they're they're specific at that small remodels always will give you a better return than big remodels. Because big remodels usually mean that you're putting more of your personal taste into it. Right. When remodels should be the basics. Bathrooms, you know, new tiles on the floor, nothing fancy, no fancy gold toilets. Okay, let's stay with kitchen for a second. Kitchen. So, like, a new gas stove is better than an electric stove.
3: That's an improvement that I can back. Upgrades, yes. Right. New refrigerator that saves energy is something that people instantly say, that's a nice-looking refrigerator. Right. Whereas... Tile and cabinets, in particular, sometimes they change. You know, the taste today is not the same taste in 10 years. So you tend not to get the best bang for your buck. Bathroom, I hear, is the best bang for your buck if you do like a spa shower. People love spa
5: showers. Um, so spend a little money there versus. Uh, well, there's two things that cabinets. that people look at. Tommy, there's uh, what they call your curb appeal. Okay. And that's why siting is the, one of the number one spots as far as the kind of improvements that you do. Okay. Uh, and then the kitchen. And that's because of the family-oriented part of uh, single-family residence, and that would be the people who cook in the house. We'll go right to the kitchen because that's the main activity, and you're going to get more sight inside the, uh, the property. Okay. So those two reasons um, is why those are on the top. Anything else, uh, like replacing roofs and windows, they get a lot less return, uh, lower than 80% per dollar. So you have to be really careful about what you do, um, and there's two reasons why people would do a remodel on their house. One, for necessity, and two, to resell their house and probably get some more money on the return. Um, If I was to resell a house, if I was for the purpose of reselling a house, I would do very little improvements that were not a necessity. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's, there's, when you sell your house, for example, your house, I've been to your house, you don't need to do much to it. Right. Paint. Maybe a new rug in one of the rooms. But you don't have to do any kind of kitchen remodel or any bathroom remodel. They'll leave that up to the new buyer, especially in this kind of market. We're in a seller's market right now. Homes that are in distress are getting top dollar. And I think, it's a, I think that if you're competing against 20, 30 other homes, yeah, maybe you want to spruce it up and maybe do some special things, but not in this type of market when we're limited in the inventory.
3: You know what I would do if I wanted to improve my home value? I would build an addition. I wouldn't do a teardown. I'd try to get some square footage on a
5: second level, uh, maybe tear down half of my house and build up. I, I'd be really uh, questionable about that because I know. that's even a more expensive type of upgrade, and you're putting more personal taste into the design, well, and you may be eliminating more, more unless you're, you know exactly what these people want. Most homes in the Bay Area sell on one thing. Square footage. No, I would disagree. Really? I would say location.
3: Well, absolutely. I think we're saying the same term. In your location, you're going to compare square footage of my house to the house next to me. That's how companies like Zillow work. Right. They see you have a 1,600-square-foot house. They see what the 2,000-square-foot house sold for, and then they factor in 25% less house. Mm-hmm. Um, so square footage is a large part of the comparables that come in to set the price of your home. So to me, if you can add square footage at the right rate, so figure out what your homes are going for in your neighborhood,
5: and then take that extra square footage that you're going to add and multiply it. And if you can get it in that ballpark, you yeah, may as long be as you don't go too big, because you never you don't want to be the biggest house on your street. I agree, because you're going to fall harder than anybody else. Your low, the smaller homes will dictate the price in your neighborhood as opposed to the higher, the bigger homes. Anything else that we need to know about? This concept of improving your home. You know, it's. It, I think it's all about personal taste. I think where people make the biggest mistake is they get the money from the wrong place. They okay. they they get too many home equity lines of credit and they open it for too much and they never pay it back. Yep. Um, they think that uh, improving a twenty five thirty thousand dollars kitchen uh, is like oh we need it but. We'll just take it out of the house. They still got to make payments on it. Yeah, I don't look at home equity line of credit as anything other than your piggy bank that you're taking from. Um, I would only take a home equity line of credit if you could, if you know that you can pay it back in a certain period of time. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource. dot com. That's BayAreaLoanSource. dot
3: com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Jonah Hell, This is one of those business lessons that I think it's worth repeating in large part because I think we all know who Jonah Hill is. He's the kind of puffy actor, 30 years old, uh, does a lot of marijuana movies, does a lot of buddy films, uh, but also has been nominated for two Academy Awards. He took a $60,000 paycheck minimum to work on Wolf of Wall Street for a seven-month film shoot. Basically, it was minimum wage for an actor again a lot of us would be like hey i'll do anything to hang out for you know six seven months with leonardo dicaprio and that's essentially what he did he got to hang out with martin scorsese and leonardo dicaprio and he got to be nominated for an academy award if he wins his asking price for movies clearly goes up but even more importantly uh he always has his buddy marijuana films to go back on to you know the gag films the Pineapple Expresses, and I don't even know all of his work, so forgive me. Um, But this is the end, where there's a shocking scene between him and the devil, and that's all I'm allowed to say, uh, where he plays himself. But very, very smart sometimes to network, uh, to become friends with Martin Scorsese, to become friends with... um, Actors and actresses who can potentially, you know, help guide work for you in the future. So Jonah Hill took the sixty, and again, he uh, was dominated for Moneyball. He seems to like the dramatic roles where he gets to, you know, show what's wrong with people. Um, interesting to note in my world that you know you look at a company like uh, Microsoft and uh, Sony and see how much money that they lose on their brand new consoles. And you're like, why are they doing this? Because it's not really about year one. It's about year two, three, four, and five. Same thing with uh, career as an actor. It's not really about one movie. It's about how many movies you get over your lifetime. And, you know, can you make your money back that you know, gets you more notable projects in the future? That you really want to do and that you don't burn out. Bank of Canada left their overnight lending rate at 1% central bank said it expects inflation to return to its 2% target in about two years. Uh, Bernie Madoff had a heart attack in prison. He's also suffered from some uh, kidney issues, stage 4 kidney disease. Um, He's not on dialysis at this point. $17 billion Ponzi scheme, 150 years prison sentence. Um, For the $17 billion Ponzi scheme, I personally think that he should have gotten... The maximum thrown at him. Not in sentencing, but potentially, like, I'm not saying public humiliation or public death, but something grander than go to a, a pretty nice prison to hang out with in until you die. Um, he hurt a lot of people's future. Not just directly, but indirectly. You can find me online Twitter, Roblox Show. YouTube, Roblox Show. Lords is going to win the best performance of the year this year's Grammys. Go place your bets. <laughs> Don't quote me on that one. You can find me on Facebook page, Kron4RobBlack. That's K-R-O-N-4 Rob Black. Take a break here. I'll be right back. We'll
2: be right <laughs> back.
1: Black and your money. on AM twelve twenty KBO double.
3: David Stern is saying goodbye to the NBA. Who is David Stern? He's the commissioner of the NBA. He's leaving on February 1 after 30 years on the job. He's leaving the league in arguably pretty good shape. The NBA once was a struggling also ran into other sports. The NBA is now a global money machine. A lot of work in the last 30 years went into labor relations drug testing, team expansion. NBA revenues, which were $118 million in 1982, hit $4.6 billion for the league's 30 teams last year. Sacramento Kings sold for $10.5 million in 1983. This year they sold for $534 million. At one point in time, playoff games were shown on tape delay in the early 80s. Now they're broadcast live in 215 countries around the globe. Success or failure starts at the top. I've always said that. I will always say that. I'm pleased to say, you know, take a look at where the San Francisco 49ers are versus the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders have had a top that's been messy for a very long period of time. Al Davis was very inspirational in the 70s and 80s. And I don't know my history of Al Davis so let me be quaint and say uh, it doesn't seem like the 90s, late 90s and early 2000s were very, very kind. Of course they did have that Super Bowl run but uh, his genius seems to be of the past. The 49ers seem to now be in a position where the general manager gets the head coach the head coach gets the owner the owner gets the general manager success or failure starts at the top. And it's nice to see. So David Stern is the top of the NBA. And like I said, there was a lot of labor problems. But the statistics, when you start adding them up, are impressive. The average NBA franchise is worth $634 million. That's up 25% just over last year. Collectively, the 30 teams are worth $19 billion versus $400 million in 1984. With the help of companies like Nike... The marketing of individual players like Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron created global celebrities, fueled interest in the game. Kobe and LeBron lead NBA's highest paid players. And all I need to say is the word Kobe. Or LeBron. Or Jordan. And you know who we're talking about. It's a little bit of a problem that it's a, a league that's marketing of stars when those stars get hurt. Profitability was across the board in the NBA's first full season since the 2011 lockout was settled. Collective bargaining agreement boosted revenue sharing from the NBA's has to have dots. Only $55 million changed hands, though, telling you how positive and how healthy the overall NBA is. The NBA launched NBA China in 2008 with a $253 million investment from ESPN. Bankers estimate the venture is now worth about 1.5 billion to 1.7 billion dollars. <laughs> Dennis Rodman is solving world peace in Korea. You know one of the coolest things uh, about doing your own radio show is that I have my own radio DJ. During the break, I was just uh, re- reading through news and trying to find stories to put out there. And I settled it on the NBA one, but before that I was looking at Superman versus Batman being delayed to 2016. So I went, doo, 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 when I was reading it. And then this comes on. It's pretty cool having your own DJ walk around. Like, Wouldn't that be great to go into a thrift store and have a thrift store start playing for you from Ryan and McLemore? Now, pretty inspiring stuff. I don't know. A little bit over seeing the Superman franchise. The last one, Superman Returns, wasn't that like the last Superman film, which was like the last Superman film? They gotta stop doing the origin stories. They gotta stop doing the origin stories. Okay, we've seen the three bad guys from the Phantom Zone. Okay, we've seen. Cal el be a baby and pick up a car and yes we've seen him pull a bus out I'm going to start banning these movies I'm going to start publicly giving them negative reviews and no that's going to influence you to not see it because I'm that kind of powerful and that kind of influential anyway (laughs) how about this for an oops moment do you know what Tinder is? Tinder's one of those apps that you could kind of like, oh, you're cute. I'd go out with you and swipe. And if she swipes you, it kind of hooks the two of you together. Um, Well, this 23-year-old teacher got on Tinder, and she was trying to use it as a dating app. (laughs) She uploads her kindergarten. (laughs) So she's a kindergarten teacher, and she uploads a picture of her kindergarten class. Is she going to be fired or what? She's a an elementary school teacher. She goes, I'm not exactly sure how that happened. I know Tinder takes your photos from your Facebook account, but my Facebook link to Tinder is not with Facebook. I'm not sure how that happened because I'm never on Facebook when using that app. Something awesome about social media and just the mistakes that continue to happen. So here you are as a guy trolling through trying to find a 23-year-old woman. <laughs> the class of kindergartners come up as a picture. Not sexy. Not even cool. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show.
1: Real Estate Report. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
3: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Interesting article on where we are that I want to talk about and what we're willing to do in order to get ahead. And I would be interested in your feedback because I could tell you I've got an angle that probably won't very positive or very uh, conventional. The S P 500 today is down 1. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 66. Six. The NASDAQ is up 5. Facebook could lose up to 80% of its users by 2017. Whoa. That's kind of a shocker, right? The big Batman versus Superman movie delayed until 2016. It's probably good, except for it puts, pits itself against a Marvel Avengers movie. That, not so. Maybe we'll be just superhero ty, ty, uh, exhausted at that point in time. This one interesting um, article about the NFL. And this is, uh, this is me just going totally aside on you. This isn't even the article that I want to talk about. But it was why one person is giving up on the NFL. And when you read the article, it, it kind of makes sense. This person works used to work for ESPN. and uh, it's a woman. And she basically talks about her love for the game. It's one of her childhood cherished memories. Her name's Roxanne Jones. Uh, she now works for CNN as a cons- opinion commentator. She used to work as vice president of ESPN. She talked about being a child watching the Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Dorsett roll downfield for a 99-yard touchdown. She loved the game, Minnesota against Dallas. Um, she thought it was graceful, it was powerful, watching him break free of some competitors. And basically, it was a cherished childhood memory. Right. In her hometown is Philadelphia, so she switched her loyalties there. A lot of her sports journalism career was, you know, a dream job for her. But in the last 30 years as a sports journalist, she'd be talking to football players. And in the middle of a sentence, they'd black out. People who had been diagnosed with numerous concussions. People that she knew and cared about, like Junior Seau, who ended up taking their own lives. Who, a couple weeks, a couple months earlier, seemed incredibly normal and reliable. And then he fell into an incredible depression. So she's given up on it game that she found loved and loving. Um, it's a game that she wouldn't want her kid to play. Um, she thinks it's fading. She might want to give up on it completely. She was thrilled that her kid loved basketball and not football. If you watched the Seahawks game this weekend with the 49ers and saw that Bowman injury, these guys literally, their career lasts three plus years, not much more. It's a game that a lot of you... Coffee white guys who would say that you could do for free, but quite honestly, you don't have the skills to do it for free. Nor do you have the financial resources to do it for free. But I kind of agree. It's a brutal game to watch at this point in time. And every week it seems like there's just some sort of horrifically. And again, maybe it's the Gladiator Society. But uh, if you had kids, would you want them playing football? Uh, I think it depends on where you grow up. So anyway, I found that to be interesting. A couple big stories of the day. IBM is really struggling with hardware. And I'm putting together a speech for the middle of this year, second quarter, that's basically called Tech Trends and 20s Tech Stocks Benefiting from Tech Trends. And clearly, cloud is hurting IBM. And cloud is helping Salesforce.com and others including VMware, including EMC. Um, VMware is acquiring AirWatch data, a security company. It seems like the big companies like IBM just move so slowly, and then they got hurt double whammy by Snowden, who basically said American tech companies are helping the American government spy on foreign countries. And uh, that's not helping you know, the stories where IBM needs China. Sears is closing a flagship store in Chicago losing millions of dollars. Uh, They've been selling off land and selling off stores for numerous years now. They're in decline. Um, Mohammed el Arian is exiting Pemco. 2013 was rough for the company, for the bond market. Um, He was a spokesman for the company and a little bit too bullish on bonds at a time when bonds were getting massacred. So, it's funny, I yesterday noticed someone on Facebook said that I was predicting real estate to go higher and higher in 2006-2007, where, if you know me, you know I was the only idiot out there telling people to be careful. Um, anyhow, people remember what they want to remember. Netflix is going to report results today. Uh, Yahoo's Marissa Mayer, she's saying 2014 is an important year for the Internet. Yeah. I, Um, not a lot of what they're doing there is really creating numbers, so it is kind of important. Could Yahoo be acquired by an Apple? Potentially, maybe that's what they're trying to piece together as fast as they can. Apps in particular are going to make a difference. See how some success stories of you know some of the technology they're trying to connect. Uh, 2014 is poised to be a year of change. Very sophisticated models on traffic predictions. By the end of the year. Yahoo will have more mobile users and more mobile traffic than they have PC traffic uh, that continues to be a, a rock star kind of trend for sure uh, so the story that I thought was you know wildly intriguing and, and interesting to say the least is what Americans aren't willing to do uh, to get ahead what do you think it is the latest recession produced a feeble recovery, but part of it was because we weren't willing to do something. It used to be when jobs dried up, people would move. They'd migrate to places with more opportunity. It worked in the 1800s. It worked in the 1900s. It worked during the war. Americans aren't moving the way they used to. The migration rate internally. It's at the second lowest reading since 1948. In the 1990s, 16.7% migration rate. In the 1980s, 17.9%. In the 1950s, 20%. So we used to move to where jobs were. And now that number stands at just 11.7%, of which I've told so many people, look, you're smart, you're intelligent, you've got a great career, you've got a great job. You make 100000 you barely are getting by in the Bay Area on that with the high cost of housing. Move! I've seen people who have skills that can't find jobs that reflect their wages of the skills. Move! In the 1990s, in the 1980s and 90s, I moved twice. Two very, very big moves. I moved away. I moved to a big city. I moved back, started a company. And I moved cross-country. Always for the betterment of my career. Always for the betterment of my lifestyle. So I was willing to migrate. Why aren't people willing to move in this day and age? Joseph Campbell, philosopher once said, follow your bliss. People would rather stay at home. I'm Rob Black. Here's Rob Black in Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: Crawling
1: through, crawling back to you. At the same time, investor Carl Ica...
2: Welcome
3: in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Toyota and Honda set North American production records. Under Armour signs a big deal with the Fighting Irish. Ten-year contract as the exclusive outfitter of the University of Notre Dame's 26 varsity teams. Uh, Athletic Director Jack Schwarbeck. he refused to say how much the deal was, except for that it was, quote, the largest financial commitment ever made by a brand to a university. <laughs> I love how he says, I'm not going to talk about it, but it's the biggest deal ever. And I'm on the receiving end of that. Um, clearly, we all know about, you know, Adidas and Nike and their fortunes. Um, it's interesting to watch. <laughs> Under Armour, an up and comer? Not really. Under Armour, a pretty established brand at this point in time. I think the up and coming angle could be tied towards, um, you know, much much smaller players at this point in time. But certainly, Under Armour has more upside growth potential. And yet, Netflix—not Netflix—but uh, uh, Nike has the established brand, and there's something to be said for that. SP 500's down two. Ooh, the Dow's down 79. The Nasdaq up seven. Welcome in, Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource dot That's BayAreaLoanSource dot He's done two, maybe three of my loans in real estate, so I bring him in on occasion to kind of highlight what you should be thinking about when buying a home or refinancing a home, or maybe even sometimes selling a home. You can listen to his show here on KDOW twelve twenty Tuesdays. That's Tuesdays at six p.m. Drive time, Mr. Mendez. Buying a home is intimidating. Yes, it is. I remember in my 20s when I bought my first car, I had buyer's remorse. I had panic. Um, you know, going through a divorce, you have remorse, you have panic, you have fear. But a home, it's it's pretty big. The first home that you put an offer on, and it's not quite the home you want, there's a crack foundation. You're like, what is, should I be doing? Yeah. Should I not be doing it? Like, you do go through a lot of questions.
5: Yeah, the first cliche I heard in the business, and it still rings. True today is it's the biggest decision you're going to make in your life, the biggest investment you're going to make in your life, and it, and today it's becoming more harder to get, uh, more difficult to get the financing, uh, finding the right price, finding the right home is difficult today because we have such Im- we have competition, we have inventory problems, um, and you're putting cash over top of appraised value, so it's it's a lot more difficult and certainly more intimidating in a seller's market like it is today. And you and I kind of grew up kind of eight, Grant?
3: We're kind of like, yeah, Dad said put down twenty eight to forty percent of your income, and you and I've grown up in an area uh, era where people are like, buy the worst house on the best street, buy close to great schools, buy close to great jobs. Don't buy too far
5: out. You want someone's wife to want your home. You want some curbside appeal. I mean, it sounds like pretty generic advice, but a lot of people got burned with bad advice, like buy, you know, take equity out of your home and buy elsewhere, or or um, buy in Dallas. Or, yeah. Just wrong advice. You know, yeah. The best advice you can give yourself for real estate is to first decide to, make a de- decide to buy real estate. That's the hardest decision. Know that you're, going to, to, with- know that you're going to be tied to it. Yeah. And you said it's an investment. I say it's a liability.
3: You say it's about the biggest investment you ever make. I think it's the biggest liability. You're committing to paying 30 years every single month. Even if you lose your job, even if you divorce, you're making a commitment that's big. Now, later in life, as you pay yourself rent, i.e. the part of the mortgage that's not interest but the equity, um, it is it adds up to a great yep. thing over time. It doesn't keep up terribly well versus inflation. Some market's better than others. Yeah,
5: and, and you brought up a good point. The, a lot of things that are the benefits, the right benefits of owning a home aren't so sold. It's the wrong benefits that are oversold, and it gets people hyped up about real estate. It really is a hype game, isn't it? Uh, oh, yeah. It's a speculation game. Right now, speculation is, is dying off as prices are going up and rates are going up. It's it's a lot more rate-sensitive than it used to be I'm um, because we have such high prices. And this is what I fear in this type of market right now is that we are so rate-sensitive and we're so sensitive to alternative types of financing like arms, and there's no neg anymore. There is still interest only. So people... Are sensitive to those, but they also are sensitive to the payment and the fact that the prices have gone up and are going to go back up to where they 've been it 's a tricky market to if you're you live in an expensive be. area
3: you 're looking for expensive jobs to be created if you 're living in stockton you 're looking for a doubling of minimum wage like there's little keys and hints that you could think about. Um, I could tell you that my industry the financial world has some slimy people there 's a big mutual fund guy down in San Jose that I got to see some of the salespeople, and they're just twenty-five-year-old, just I don't know, just hey, hey there, Gus, Give me a power handshake, and let's go sell some of this product and make big money and have scotches tonight. Like they're just, I don't know, what the word bimbo himbo? Like that's not the right word, but uh, your industry has that too, though. You just call them a tool. Tool, perfect. Your industry's got these tools that are like, you know, all i got to do is do one mortgage. I can fly to Hawaii and smoke weed and come back and do one mortgage. You know, hey, I used to be a mechanic, but now I'm going to be a mortgage person. I know a woman who's a housewife, and she's getting her real estate license simply because it's a little extra money. And she's competing against people who have been in this industry 40, 50 years, super experienced. She's got none. She's going to fail, in my opinion. With that said, maybe she sells one else. Yep. Um, she's got a heart of gold,
5: and she's networks really well with mothers. So
3: maybe she does well. You know, th- but there is some barriers I'd,
5: to entry. I'd get into the real estate bu- that side of the real estate business if I had a larger network, uh, and I've been in my city for a long time. I'm a mom, and I, and I know a lot of people, and I know how to network. You know, that's a great way to start. There's a lot be of people that still because, want to get yeah. into real estate because there is a lot of money to be made in this in this industry. Um, the mortgage industry is more of the sales part. Real estate's all about. The selling side is all about who you know. One of the first questions I would ask a potential realtor, tell me the three best streets, tell me the school scores, and,
3: you know, don't show me a big kitchen. I don't care. Show me the best streets that everyone wants, that has no inventory. That's where I want to be. That has been Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez has been sitting in with me. He works with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He is a lender. BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Coming up on the show, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen about the economy, what he's seeing out there tied towards retail, what he's seeing tied towards wages, anything else that he wants to add as far as color. Um, I think it's always important to get as much perspective and and patience and understanding towards the economy as you can uh, so that you can build a case. Did you hear the story yesterday that someone with Google Glass got pulled out of a movie theater? Uh, the federal Federales, the FBI, basically thought he was taping movies. They interrogated him for about an hour and a half. Uh, he said, "Plug my plug my thing into a USB, and you'll see that I have pictures of my kids, and that's about it." And uh, they're telling him, "You know, turn us turn in the person who brought you here. Turn in people. Give us names. We don't want you. We want the bigger people." Google Glass is going to have some. Weird issues tied towards it if it ever makes out. Your Rob Black. Your money coming up. The one, and the only. Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist Briefing.com.
1: move of the market. Delivering the information you need to keep ahead of the curve with exclusive reports from Bloomberg Business at KDOW.biz.
2: down.
1: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio station.
3: Welcome back in joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. Rosen?
4: You're right, how yourself?
3: I'm good. Thank you for asking. Um, how's the economy?
4: Uh, it's looking good for fourth quarter. Um, still concerned about what's going to happen next year. I think uh, I'm in the minority on that. I think most people are thinking uh, we're going to see really strong growth. Uh, I'm still concerned that the trends that are leading up to this are more seasonal than than stable, meaning that uh, we seem to have this, you know, strengthening in the end of the year, which we've had over the last couple of years, followed by weakness in the start of the year, and uh, you know, I'm concerned that's going to play out again. Uh, You know, going ahead and looking at Q1, Q2.
3: With that said, fourth quarter, you kind of just said it was a pretty good quarter. It didn't look to me like it was a great shopping quarter for the major retailers. Can you separate the two that you saw a good enough quarter, but not maybe a
4: strong shopping? Yeah, it's actually been a little weird. Um, You know, you've had a really good retail sales report for December, which, you know, when you started seeing, you know, the retailers come out and saying it was a, you know, pretty awful or at least disappointing holiday season, makes you kind of wonder where the sales are coming from. And if you look a little closely, you see that the online retailers did, you know, a little bit better than the, uh, you know, the discount stores or the um, department stores. So it could be just the fact that, you know, who's reporting the earnings and who's not reporting earnings that you're you're seeing uh, negative news press. Um, and again, it could be that the expectations were just much stronger than what they ended up being. So they thought they were going to get much better numbers, and they didn't turn out to be as good as they hoped. So they came in as disappointing. Now, when we were projecting retail sales, we thought they were going to be really disappointing. We had, uh, you know, we were looking at the motor vehicle numbers, and and that was a a big drop off uh, compared to November. We were also looking at the uh, employment numbers that showed a drop in aggregate income, or at least aggregate wages. So we thought those two combined was going to pull retail sales down, but we found out instead, at least according to the government official numbers, that retail sales were were pretty strong and that it seems likely that uh, consumers, you know, spent out of savings or or spent out of investment income as opposed to uh, regular wages. Which is good in terms of consumer confidence, meaning that you know they think things are better, so they're willing to lower their savings. Uh, we also believe this is accurately uh, what should happen given where the debt levels are. So, in the scheme of things, the sales numbers were good, and, and they should have been what they were expected. Uh, it's just that you kept getting all these negative reports, and, and you know it became concerning that things were worse than what uh, the numbers were actually going to come out as.
3: Let's talk a little bit about um, non-farm payrolls. My audience is, I'm going to say, probably uh, not the typical audience. Bay Area, high incomes, lots of jobs. Uh, We don't have a lot of farms. We don't have a lot of Sears where we are. Uh, Give us a little bit of information on non-farm payrolls and why do we care about the phrase non-farm?
4: Non-farm is just basically you know any job that's that's not coming from you know specifically the farmland so it's you know any service job any manufacturing job any supply job any wholesale job that type of thing so basically you know unless you live and you, and you work in the land you're, you're going to be counted as a, as a payroll number in this and it essentially you know makes up the entire population of the U.S. This is where people work. The, the, the farm sector, in terms of employment, is very small. So when we talk about non-farm employment, we're looking specifically at you know the bulk of uh, the employment industry, the bulk of the economy.
3: Okay, and we're just not a farming society anymore. Like, was there a day <laughs> when when was there a day when you'd report on farm payrolls?
4: Um, no, I, I've never reported on farm payrolls. I generally take um, Farm income and farm uh, uh, inventories as flat over uh, each quarter, and and that doesn't—it's—it's a good average because it averages out to be, you know, roughly um, the growth rate roughly doesn't change much. Uh, When you have big droughts like you guys are experiencing in California, you you may have. some shifts in inventories because production isn 't as good as it normally has in a normal year, um, when you had extreme cold weather a couple of years ago where it hurt the fruit crops in the south, uh, we saw some inventory changes because of that. but in general, you know the farm industry is pretty stable, so you don 't see much change in growth trends because of the farm industry so you, you know I take it as as just a stable component when I'm estimating GDP and uh, you know going from there, uh, building out where the, where the volatility is to make estimates on uh, how things are growing overall for the economy.
3: How important is California to an economist like yourself? Because again, we get a little jaded, we get a little high on ourselves, uh, we're kind of snobby on the coast, kind of a little bit more <laughs> down to earth as you get a little bit more towards the mountains. Uh, yeah, how important I, is California?
4: No it's pretty important it's the largest state I still believe in uh in the u s in terms of economic uh well maybe not economic growth but economic uh levels in terms of g d p uh it's got a wide diversity of the economy you, you know you talk about you guys are in the bubble in the bay area with the tech area, but it's actually you know it's a huge agricultural system there's a lot of manufacturing involved there's uh you know, down south you have a lot, a lot of service industry, uh, especially in the entertainment industry. It's a pretty uh, widespread, pretty diverse state, and uh, you know, basically has, basically has everything from everywhere.
3: <laughs> okay, that's fair. It's just I kind of wanted our audience to hear that we are kind of a big deal, and we've got <laughs> manufacturing, we've got shipping. We're a pretty, pretty powerful uh, economy. Uh, back in the it's gogo.com
4: in, in california because you definitely have the people you know especially up by you in, in silicon valley you know not seeing what it's like in different areas I mean, it's, it's a completely different world you go south if you go even north from there you know, it, it's an interesting state
3: it's interesting because uh, i just saw an hbo that just started a san francisco homosexual series last night that I don't think a lot of people here know that's us. That's what the world sees us as, and then they're starting a Silicon Valley uh, kind of office-themed show on HBO this summer that it's going to make fun of our engineers, and it's just good to get that different perspective, but I'm totally digressing, Dr. Um, Jeff Rose. And Let's talk a little bit about what you're working on. We've got a, you know, two, three more minutes left. Uh, what are you finding that's important out there?
4: I'm still concentrating right now on uh, looking at the auto industry. I, I want to know where things are headed uh, next year, especially for profit margins. I'm concerned that we're seeing some uh, some big pickups in analysts' expectations, and we've seen that because sales have exceeded expectations over the last few years. And uh, I'm concerned that uh, you know sales growth in the neighborhood is $16 million, which is where you know, we're getting a consensus view and maybe a little high. Uh, considering that we're going to be seeing increased interest rates throughout next year, at least that's what we expect to see, increased interest rates. So, you know, if we have low affordability conditions from increased interest rates, how are the auto manufacturers going to sell 16 million vehicles? Does that mean uh, they're going to have to, you know, increase incentives and lower uh, profit margins in order to get there? And and that's concerning and and trying to see where that's going going to go.
3: Okay. Um, anything else that we should be paying attention to other than autos? Are you worried at all about housing?
4: I'm always worried about housing, just the okay. same reason for the autos. You know, you have rising interest rates, you know, low affordability conditions. You have low inventories, which have increased uh, prices, and, and it's making things hard to buy. And uh, the question is, are we going to see price growth, you know, stop and maybe turn back negative if um, – you know, if interest rates move on, move too high too quickly, you know, it's, it's a concern.
3: How concerned are you with the the things that we see out of China? Because my perspective as a financial person in media is that, yeah, you take China as a grain of salt. You know that they're moving forward, but you know that it's not all real numbers.
4: The question I have about China is not you know that the numbers are real or not real because I mean I think the consensus is that you know, the numbers are are inflated. The question is: Are we going to see, you know, a big backlash if there is a bubble that is developing in China, especially in the uh, property sector and in the municipalities? And if that bursts, what's it going to do socially and what it's going to do politically? Because you could have a lot of problems if a lot of people relying on these, these trends for to growth and, and they turned out to be, uh, you know, not real. You know, and these are people that don't have much savings in terms of. Uh, and there's not much of a safety net in terms of, um, you know, unemployment insurance and stuff like that. So if you do have a, a bubble in the making and something happens and, and it bursts, what, what's going to happen there? And, and that could be a real disaster.
3: Odd question for you: Is the world becoming? Is capitalism slipping and socialism gaining? And if so, is yeah. that a problem? <laughs> no. Okay. No,
4: I, I don't see that at all. Uh, you know, people think that because they, they look at China and they think that you know their socialism model is perfect but like you know we all know there's bubbles popping up everywhere in china because socialism is not a very good uh way of allocating capital it's it's not the most efficient way and if you allocate capital to the wrong industries like building cities with no people in it or building you know massive shopping malls with no stores in it you know eventually you know all that stuff is just wasted capital it could have been used to do something more productive and more uh, efficient, and you know, could actually improve people's lives as opposed to temporarily improving you know somebody's uh, income levels. Thank you very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen,
3: Chief Economist Briefing It's the one website that I start every day with, Monday through Friday. Business stories on independent live market analysis, U.S. international economy, fundamental, strategic, value. You name it, they got it. It's briefing.com. AM
1: 1220, KDOW, traffic.
5: An accident in San Mateo in the spay area. brought to you by Garmin.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
3: Thanks for listening to the show. I seriously, truly mean that. And thanks for all the support. Um, you do things that I ask you to do, like join my Twitter feed, Rob Black Show. Join my YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. Some of these are projects that are slow to develop, literally taking years. Some of them are more instant gratification, like my Facebook page, Cron 4 Rob Black, 4 Rob Black, and I do appreciate it. Um, I hope you appreciate that I bring in only the best guests. I don't put on anyone that I think can hurt you. Uh, Patrick O'Hare on Tuesdays at 7.30, Dr. Jeff Rosen Wednesdays at 8.30. Someone from street.com, of which they pitched me three to four stories me and their PR person, Emily, and I picked the one that I think is going to be most intriguing for you. For instance, tomorrow we're going to be talking about Netflix. Netflix is reporting their earnings tonight. I know a lot of you use Netflix and a lot of you like the service of Netflix. So um, I kind of get it. I kind of try to do my best for you. Um, Just know that it's not always perfect. Like I been I was sick last week, and that didn't leave me terribly, how shall we say, entertaining. Economists have been puzzled, like I started the show today, by people's lack of willing to move. And I moved in my twenties and thirties, always for better career, always for better position. And yeah, I was in a position where I had some savings, and I had to eat some of that up to move, and I had to take some big financial risks to move. I literally sold a company on the East Coast to come to California. I left a company behind because I wanted to slow down, and I didn't slow down my life. I wanted to appreciate my life a little bit more. Right now, if I was on the East Coast, I'd be buried under snow. Every single day, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic getting to and from work. Because you work on East Coast time there. Here, you work West West Coast time, but on East Coast hours. And it's awesome. Like, when I come to work at 5 a.m., there's no one on the road. When I'm driving, you know, home, it's 1130, and there's no one on the road. So I came for this, believe it or not, um, and I have no regrets. I think migrating is one of the best things about the United States. In the decaying Rust Belt, to the more vibrant South, to the always strong West, it's a free market and wealth moves around and people pursue wealth. If there's anything I can push you on, please consider moving on occasion. Um, whether it's the West drawing settlers in the 1800s on the promise of get rich young man. There's gold in them hills. Um, do I want you to take on a lot of debt to move? No, but i got to tell you again. Uh, take a look at sports, for instance. And The best example that I can give you is that um, look at Sousa Marina's setup where they go out way, 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 way into the suburbs, and then they come back to the cities, and they go back to the suburbs, and they go back to the big cities. Um, It tells you right there that, you know, there's something to study. Um, There's some great cities in America. If I was in my 20s right now, I would quickly move to Raleigh-Durham, to Denver, to Austin, to... Athens to Charlottesville, to, and again, the list goes on, Seattle, Boulder. There's a lot of growth communities. Growth communities. And when you have growth communities, you've got jobs that are growing. When you have jobs that are growing, you have wages that are growing. The cost of living here in the Bay Area is so ridiculous. There was an article in today's, on one one of Bloomberg, talking about how uh, engineer up in Seattle was like I would love to come to the Bay Area. It's just too expensive, so I decided to move my family to Utah. And yeah, Utah doesn't have the beaches, but he's also going to be able to retire in style and class. He's going to be able to live till the day he dies. He's going to be able to feed his kids. He's going to be able to pay for his kids to go to college. His kids will be able to decide. You know, do we want a vacation at the beach? Do we want a vacation? Why do we? What career do we want? So it's one of the things that I kind of wish people would open up a little bit about is that you don't have to be stuck in your ways moving to California you know home affordability is starting to drop again and it it hurts to see you know I was reading an article yesterday about Google buses and how people in San Francisco are all angry because employees are working down on the peninsula but they're taking a bus 26 to 30 miles to work and the people in San Francisco are like, that's not right, that's not right. But you know what? I think you'd rather have them going in buses than in BMWs. Because then it's only going to make your traffic bad in your city in San Francisco. So stop your complaining. There's nothing you can do about it. If people want to live in your neighborhood, they're going to outbid you. Yes, you could do some things like rent controls. Yes, you could do some things like on no-fault uh, evictions. But how fair is that to the landlord? If you owned a baseball card that was worth a million dollars and you were told you could only sell it for $100,000, you would be furious. If you were told you could only rent it out for a dollar when someone's willing to rent it for $100, you'd be furious. So we've got to stop blaming people. We've got to start putting it on us and be willing to migrate and be willing to move and be able to figure out where jobs are. Warren Buffett's got a 29-year-old employee which I find that fascinating because, you know, as old as he is, he's got a young woman who's in charge of four of his divisions, including Benjamin Moore. And uh, I think it's the coolest thing on the planet. Her name's Tracy Britt Cool. Um, and she worked really well in his commercial mortgage finance unit. He continues to promote her. I think that says something work hard, do a good job. And age is no limit. Find me online at robblack.com. Find me online at Twitter, Rob Black Show. Facebook group page, Cron4 Rob Black.
1: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network. This station, its management, owners, or advertisers.